everyone welcome to the all sports all plays official podcast sunday night july 31st i am your host craig and welcome to the show i'm running solo tonight uh shane's gonna be out um and it's hey we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun though tonight uh if you're watching on facebook youtube twitter twitch let me know in the comments down below uh love to chat with you tonight got a lot of fun stuff to talk about um but first, if you want to do that, if you're watching this maybe on Facebook and you're not liked uh, on the ASAP Sports Network, go ahead and do that right now. It's all sports, all plays on Facebook at ASAP Network One on Twitter. You can see it scrolling at the bottom of your screen and you can subscribe on YouTube at all sports, all plays network. It's ASAP Sports Network with an exclamation point. Go ahead and like and share the stream and don't forget to follow on all platforms and all the great shows that are on the network. And uh, it's 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 a lot of fun. There's a lot of great shows here. Obviously, you got ASAP in the morning, Unscripted, College Football. There's way too many to name. But if you want to check out any of the great content that is on the All Sports All Plays Network, you got to go follow first. So let's have some fun tonight, shall we? Let's talk a little bit of MLB deadline. August 2nd is the deadline for the trades that happen in the MLB. Big thing that we're talking about. Um, you want to talk about the moves that are made so far. Uh, the Yankees made the first big splash, if you ask me. They went out and got Andrew uh, Benintendi from the Kansas City Royals. They got a couple of prospects for him, three pitching prospects to be example. Uh, they got a left-handed pitcher, uh, TJ Sakema who's the number 19 prospect in the MLB pipeline at the time of the trade, right-handed pitcher Beck way rated number 21 in the, in the uh, Yankees system and right-handed pitcher Chander Chaplin, um, who's not ranked in the top 30 prospects. Uh, but this is a move for the Yankees. They're going to, they're going right now. They're going for it. Uh, you've got uh, outside of Judge and, and Giancarlo Stanton, who's going to be out for a couple of weeks, uh, Joey Gallo's really not producing a whole lot for uh, for the Yankees there. He's batting well under 200, 167. He's got a really, uh, really ugly slash line. Um, so this move for the Yankees puts them in prime position to add more offense to an already high-powered offense. Uh, ben Intendi this year, um, as of the trade, was hitting 321. He was slashing 321, 389, and 399 with an OPS of 788. So if you're unfamiliar a little bit with baseball, around 800 is considered a, a pretty good OPS. Uh, and he got his first all-star selection this year. So that's also uh, just to boot. 
So he's only got three home runs on the year, but he ranks fifth in the majors uh, at the time of the trade with a 321 batting average. And that's that's only one of one of many suspected moves that the that the Yankees are going to be targeting uh, at the at the deadline here coming up on the second. What this does in return for the for the Royals, they're still working on getting younger. They've got uh, they've got a lot of young pieces that are still still working, you know, still working on finding their footing. Obviously, Bobby Witt Jr. is a big one that's happened there. Uh, but but for the Yankees, they're in they're dominating. But the AL East race is a little bit tighter than uh, that at, in that middle part. So they want to set themselves up for the playoffs. And what a move by going to get Ben Benintendi. The second big move that was made uh, just recently was starting pitcher Luis Castillo going to the Mariners. Uh, going to the Mariners, you've got, uh, they sold the, they essentially sold the farm. I mean, I was shocked when I saw that return. Um, I looked at that and said, if that's the moves that are going to be made just for one player, Luis Castillo, who's considered one of the top starting pitchers available on the market. And that's what the return was. I mean, the, the return for Juan Soto is going to be astronomical if it happens. But Luis Castillo, this is a move that the Mariners are going, hey, we've won. We won 12 to 14 straight heading into the all-star break. We're in a position where right now they are one of the wild card teams. If you're the Mariners who have not made the playoffs since 2001, the longest active streak of, of any American professional franchise, this is the time for you to push those chips and go all in. I mean, they gave up three of their top five prospects. You had Novelli Marte, uh, who's now the number one prospect in the Cincinnati Reds organization. Uh, another shortstop in Edwin Arroyo, who is number six prospect. And then a right-handed pitcher, Levi Stout, at number 15, and a second right-handed pitcher in Andrew Moore. But that move, it's it's the Reds got a haul. I mean, let's they've been tanking essentially the entire year. They they traded away and got rid of a bunch of players in the offseason. And fans of the of the Cincinnati Reds, you kind of had to have a feeling that they were going to be selling off any prospects that they had to try to, you know cut payroll is essentially what some of these teams are doing. Uh, athletics are talking, are in talks of doing similar things right now of getting rid of any player that could potentially uh, get paid and try to get more prospects. You're trying to cut payroll, you know, and, and that's essentially what the Reds have done here. They, they wanted to get rid of a guy who's still got another year team control. He's got arbitration after this year, and then he's a free agent at the end of the 2023 year. So for the Reds, you don't have to pay the guy. And if you're the Mariners, this is another top end starter to go with the Robbie Ray that you just went out and got. It helps solidify that starting rotation. You just got to hope that your offense can still kind of keep up that hot streak. They were on it. You got to wonder, is it going to run out? Is it going to run out at some point? I really don't think it will. The Mariners the Mariners schedule as of August 1st, I'm not talking about the game they're playing right now against the Astros. This is the last time they have to play the Astros all year. And I think they're very grateful for it. But looking at their schedule, they have 59 games remaining. They probably have one of the easiest schedules in the American league the rest of the way. 
only 18 of those games are against teams that are over 500. 18 of 59 games are against teams that are over 500. Six of those are against the Yankees. So if you can even split half of those games, which it depends on, I mean, you got three of them home, three of them away. Okay. If you can split those series, get swept in one and, and sweep the other, however it shakes out, six of those games against the Yankees, it'll be, you, you, I think you can make that work. Seven games against the Guardians who are barely over 500. They're fighting extremely hard to make a wild card. And you've got a really tight AFC or <laughs> AFC East, American League East. You got a really tight American League East. And are the Guardians going to make the are going to make the postseason? I don't think so. They're probably going to they're probably going to just level out where they are now. So if you're the Mariners and you go get a guy who through his through 14 starts with the race, he was four for four, uh, four and four with 90 strikeouts and a two eight six ERA. His last few starts, he was under two. So his last handful of starts, he was under two ERA. If you can have that guy keep him rolling the way he is and get Robbie Ray on track, keep your offense on track. The the Julio Rodriguez show, the J Rod show, uh, you can keep that train rolling. Try to prevent him from hitting a rookie wall. This team will make the postseason for the first time since 2001. It's a very easy schedule. The remaining games they have, they have three games against the Braves. And then in, in a bat, next series, they have two games against the Padres. They have like seven games against my Tigers. And the Tigers are terrible. <laughs> Anybody that watches the Detroit Tigers, yes, they've had a lot of injuries. Uh, yeah, they went out and spent a bunch of money, but they're terrible. There's a whole lot going on there that not not a lot of people are are getting the uh, getting the uh, getting the heat that they need for it in the front office. So if you're the Mariners, this move is essentially that's where you felt like you really needed. You needed another top end starter. You went and got it. So now you got to go out and win the games. And the schedule is really favorable for them. The schedule is really favorable. So if I'm if I'm the Mariners. I'm I'm loving this move, even though I had to give up three of my really good prospects to do so. Sometimes it's just how the game is played. You got to give up more to get something that you really, really need because you got to go all in. And that's the game of baseball. Game of baseball, it's the haves and the have-nots. You're not going to make a move that's going to push you to the brink of getting the playoffs. You have to, you have to be that team that's going to make the commitment, go all in, and go get the guy you want. There's a few, I've got my Twitter feed here ready, just in case if there's any breaking news uh, from Jeff Passan and company. Uh, but some of the biggest names that have yet to be moved, you got Frankie Montas, right-hand pitcher from the Athletics. So rumored, it talks around the league, is that that is the Yankees now number one target remaining for the trade deadline to go out and get Frankie Montas. If they go out and do that, uh, they go out and do that, they're already loading up a loaded team. So you got to wonder what they would get back, give back in return since they've already given up a few of their mid to higher end tier prospects in their farm system, but they've got a lot of pitching in their farm system that just aren't ready yet. So if they go, they're going to go try to make that move. The other two guys are Cubs, um, Wilson Contreras, the catcher from, from Chicago and Ian Happ, uh, the outfielder from Chicago. Those two guys are also being uh, in conversation right now 
those guys are being in conversation right now to uh, to also be moved out of Chicago. Um, I think Wilson Contreras is probably the more likely of the two to get moved. Uh, he's been in conversation trade conversations uh, the entire the the entire year. It seems like. Uh, thanks, David, for tuning into the show on Facebook. Thinking Soto uh, gets traded. Oh, Juan, uh, not Juan Soto. We're talking about Gregory Soto, uh, the closer for the Tigers. Does he get traded? God, I hope so. <laughs> As a Tigers fan, he gives he makes my heart race every single time he steps on the mound, and the splits on him are insane. Uh, if he doesn't walk a batter, his uh, his his ERA is extremely low. It's I think it's like in the twos. But if he walks a batter, his ERA is over nine. It's wild. You don't know what Gregory Soto you're going to get. So will Gregory Soto get traded? Probably not. Because the Tigers have a really high asking price because he has a lot of team control still. So I don't think he's going to get traded. But I think they should because I would much rather have Alex Lang being my closer of the future for the Tigers. Um, in, in that scenario, that's, that's what I would, that's who I would look for. I would try to get rid of Soto to maybe a team like the Dodgers or a team that really needs a left-handed pitching in their bullpen. Uh, the Astros come to mind, but I think they'd be more in with Andrew Chafin. Um, I've seen that a lot. Andrew Chafin to the Astros might be something there. Uh, Fulmer Fulmer's got to get traded at this point and it's nothing against him. He's been fantastic. There's a lot of talk within the Detroit community that he should have been the all-star on the Tigers team um, next to Miguel Cabrera. But Fulmer, man, I really hope so. I think Al Avila will probably crap the bed, if you will, uh, if he does not get a decent return value for Fulmer. Fulmer's the guy, he's, he's expiring at the end of this year. That's a guy that you can probably get a lot of return for from a contender because of how well he's played. Um, he's been put in a very, uh, very many high leverage situations. Um, and I wrote an article about this on overtime heroics um, about some of the guys that are going to get traded. Fulmer's one of those guys. I think he will. So that'd be very interesting. But the other question, I know it's on everybody's mind. Um, I thought this was interesting. I thought this was very interesting. And uh, I want to share this. I want to share this with everybody. Um, it was a tweet that I found from uh from uh what was it Jim Bowden on on Twitter Jim Bowden on Twitter the conversation was asked about where does Juan Soto land and what are the trade partners for him at this point and this is this is interesting y'all got to see this so this is get it right here come on there we go it won't let me do this <laughs> this is the fun about doing live, by the way, is if it doesn't work. There it goes. Perfect. So the Nationals supposedly have three teams now left in the bidding for Juan Soto, according to club sources. You got the Padres, the Cardinals, and the Dodgers. With the Cardinals offering the most talent off their major league club and the Padres with the most talent from the farm. I tell you what, if I'm if I'm the Dodgers, I'm going to utilize some of the expiring contracts that I know are going to come off the books in the next year to try to go get a guy like Juan Soto. And I just my gut tells me that the Padres are going to be the team 
that are going to make that trade to get Juan Soto, if it's even made at all. Like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta preface that. If that even gets trade gets made at all, because Juan Soto still has another year that they can get this extension ironed out. So there's there's no need to rush if you're the if you're the Nationals or if you're Juan Soto. You can still get you can still get an extension worked out if that's what you want to do. And if you're the Nationals, you'll probably end up moving him in the offseason if you don't get the 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 haul you're looking for. And based on what Luis Castillo went for, I don't think Juan Soto gets traded before the deadline. Now, I think it'd be extremely exciting if he does get traded before the deadline. But I would not be surprised if he does not, because the longer this is drawn, dragged on, the longer this is continuing, the less and less you're hearing of. Well, now it was so, so many teams were involved. Now it's only three, probably going to go down to two. I don't see the Cardinals. The Cardinals aren't the type of team that makes those kind of moves where they sell off a bunch of guys from their farm system to get a guy like Juan Soto. But that would be a pretty sick as much as I as much as I don't like the Cardinals from beating the Tigers in the World Series, I gotta respect how they can just not rebuild, they can reload. If you've got Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, and Juan Soto on your team, the NL Central's over. The NL Central's over. But then again, the Dodgers would probably do a Dodgers thing and be able to get them for cheap. They'd probably be able to get him for cheap, which would be Absolutely mind-boggling to me. If uh, who's the next who's the next guy to be moved? Um, guy from Oakland A's, yeah, Montes. Uh, Frankie Montes is probably the next best to be moved, uh, in in my opinion. Uh, John Suggs, appreciate you tuning in on uh, on Facebook here. But yeah, it's that's that's the conundrum right there, and you have another good point. You're playing good ball right now. Would you give up four prospects and a current player? I think it's got to be at least that is what the Nationals would be expecting. They'd be expecting at least four prospects. They probably would be like, hey, we want your top prospect, two to two or three, uh, another guy, and then an MLB ready player so that we can so that we can go and we can make this trade happen. So I don't think that's gonna happen, but in that, to answer that question, Frankie Montas is probably the next one to get traded, and then uh, Wilson Contreras is probably the other guy on that that I've been seeing a lot of around the around the league. And this question, uh, this question gets me. This is this is funny. Ohani trade <laughs> Shohei Otani traded before the deadline. That would be a very Angels thing of them to do. You have a guy like Shohei Otani, and then you. You have Mike Trout. You have two guys. Mike Trout's been in his prime. Otani's in his prime. And if they were to go and get rid of him and keep Trout, that would be a very Angels thing to do. I don't think they trade Otani. That that'd be one of the dumbest moves that they would make because they they tried to go get guys that are going to help. Uh, going to get help right now. They went and got Noah Syndergaard. He's another name that's been talked about. Um, being traded at the deadline, potentially uh, he's been pitching pretty well over the last couple starts. And that's a guy that's been talked about. 
Yeah, and that's that's the other thing too. He's GM still got the trout trade stuck in his head. Um, but so I think that Otani stays. I don't think there's a way he gets moved. Uh, again, that haul would have to be huge too. Uh, probably on the same level, if not just as much as a Juan Soto trade, uh, in my opinion. But it's it's going to be really interesting. Uh, but we've got to go to break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL and NFL training camp injuries, Jimmy Garoppolo, Julio Jones. Uh, we'll be right back. All sports all plays. All sports all plays. All sports all plays. All right, welcome back to the All Sports All Plays official podcast here on Sunday night. I am your host, Craig, and I want to shift some gears and talk a little bit NFL. So NFL training camp just got started, and oh boy, oh boy, is it good. Uh, of course, with me being a Lions fan, uh, seeing them on hard knocks, I'm extremely excited to watch that. Uh, every year, they always, they always provide some great insight on, on you know, what goes into training camp, the cuts that are made, uh, you know, those decisions that are very difficult to make. But, of course, with the NFL training camp coming back, uh, you got you got conversations about who's going to, you know, the guys that are going to be working together now, uh, the acquisitions that come in, how are teams going to how are teams going to move on with departures of other players? Uh, and but some of the things you got injuries that come up. And uh, and the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been gutted by their offensive line uh, already in training camp. They've lost three of their interior starters already. Um, and it's just. You got to wonder what's going to happen there. They got to be able to, you got to be able to bring in uh, or maybe make a move. Hopefully the guys that are behind them are guys that are ready to go um, because you've got a team that again, with Tom Brady coming back into the helm, um, they're in win now mode. They're still in win now mode. So if you're, if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you have to be able to ensure that you can get guys that can, can that can protect TV 12. If you can't, you see what happens when Tom Brady gets pressured and when teams can can get that. You look at the Rams and kind of how they were able to at least contain a little bit uh, the Buccaneers last year in the playoffs. And those that's an interesting storyline to uh, to kind of pay attention to as we get into preseason. It's two weeks away uh, and it's it's I'm so happy football season's back. <laughs> so happy football season is back. Um, but a big question mark right now is with this 49ers camp coming back, there was conversations about Jimmy Garoppolo versus Trey Lance. What direction is the organization going to move into this year? And the decisions kind of been made already. They've talked, uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo has been given permission to seek a trade and they're going to move with, with Trey Lance. So now the question shifts to, okay, Jimmy Garoppolo, where is he going to play? And, a, and one of, one of the, uh, some of the interesting landing spots that I'm seeing here, uh, Bleacher Report had some betting odds on where Jimmy Garoppolo is going to land. 
Uh, and some of those names, the Seahawks are plus 275. The Miami Dolphins are plus 330. And the Houston Texans are plus 400. Jimmy G to the Giants. I think that would be an intriguing move. Um, obviously, he's, depending on who you ask, he's he's in the similar conversation as uh, as a... <laughs> It's a Daniel Jones, uh, but I he's he's a better he's a bit better of a quarterback than Daniel Jones. Uh, you can't really get much worse if you're the Giants than Daniel Jones right now. Um, and I know Giants fans have to be pretty ecstatic to know that the Daniel Jones experiment is just about over. But the intriguing the intriguing team that's on this list for me is the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins at plus three thirty. Um, Tua Tagovailoa is now going into another season where he's got Tyreek Hill. Um, you know, he had he had a bit of an up and down season. He didn't he didn't play the whole season. There's always that injury question with Tua. And I think that'd be a very intriguing move if the, if the Dolphins would make a move for Jimmy G. It's it be it kind of would be a good fit for him to go to uh to go to Miami. You got some you got some pieces there. They um they've they're adapting a bit of that 49ers uh style as far as uh they brought in uh Raheem Mosert. They've got uh they brought in some running backs. They're gonna they're gonna focus a lot on the run this year. So I think that would be an interesting spot, and he would be able to play against the New England Patriots twice this year. So I think either either of that destination or Seattle does Seattle does make a lot of sense. Uh Seattle makes a lot of sense because they don't they're they don't really have a quarterback. You know, that's something that they're they're missing now that Russell Wilson went to Denver uh in the offseason. So that that would be that, that would be interesting. Jimmy G to the Bucks. Watch him do that. Brady goes down and he does exactly what he did in New England. <laughs> I think that would be, I think that'd be hilarious. But Jimmy G, it's kind of a tough situation if you're the 49ers, uh, because you have a guy in Jimmy G who has been successful for you. Trey Lance is still an unproven commodity. Um, he didn't really play a ton. Uh, you got, he's still a little unproven. But I understand you, you're betting on your guy. That was your first round pick. That's your guy that you want to move forward with. Uh, it's always it's always a unique scenario when that happens with uh, with these organizations that are in transition. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting thought too. Tyreek Hill, a lot of his a lot of his things. I know um, I know Mike. Um, Mike on the ASAP network had made a comment um, on one of the shows. I think it was either yesterday or today uh, about Tyreek Hill and some of his games that he had with the Kansas city chiefs. He would have over a hundred yards, but he'd only have two or three catches, right? So his average, he was averaging 40, 50 yards, a catch essentially. He's a long threat. And that's always kind of been the knock on Tua. The knock on Tua is, if you want to take a look at how Tua performed in 2021 and what's Tyreek Hill going to do for him, 
Last year, he was 7-5 and five as a starter. He had a 67.8% completion, 2,653 yards, 16 touchdowns, 10 INTs. But what everybody understands is that he's good at the sh- he can be good at those short throws. His yards per attempt were 6.8, which tied him for 23rd among qualified quarterbacks. So that tells you that either there's he's not comfortable enough in that offense that he's going to try to throw it deep to Tyreek Hill. Because if you've if you've seen it on Twitter, it's it's been out there that um the Tyreek Hill and Tua made a connection, made it had a bomb, and uh, it was it was it was a fun clip to watch. But is that going to happen? In, is that going to happen every every day or every week in Miami? Absolutely not. Tua's got to stay healthy for one. His QBR was forty nine point seven, ranked eighteenth in the league last year. So is Tua going to take that step with Tyreek Hill? Tyreek Hill, as John's right, he's a, he's not a route runner. He's a deep threat. Is he going to be there? He's going to help the defense probably. If you can get the run game, uh, if you can get the run game solidified as the, as the Miami Dolphins, can Tua be more effective? Absolutely, but he's got to be able to read the defense. If he can't read the defense, this isn't Alabama where you can just you have the best athletes on the field and you can you can easily throw the deep ball, stand back there for five seconds, and just chuck it, and your guy's going to go get it. The windows of separation from college to NFL is astronomically different. And if you stand back there and hold the ball for five seconds, you have some of the best pass rushers don't need that much time to be able to get to the quarterback and cause disruptions. And I don't know if two is going to be able to do that. So that's a big conversation going into uh, going into training camp and going into the next season. But one other big move that I thought was very interesting, Julio Jones signs signed a deal with the Bucks. The Bucks are turning into that team now where guys that are trying to get their, you know, try to make a push for a ring, uh, guys that they can that the Bucks can buy low and sell high. Antonio Brown did that. And in that situation obviously played out the way it was, but when he was there on the field, you can see he was a difference maker. Julio Jones on this team, he's going, he's 32. Last year with the Tennessee Titans, he only played 10 games, 31 catches, 434 yards and one touchdown. Is he going to, is he going to put up similar numbers? It's a really interesting question because he's definitely not the Julio Jones of old. He's not going to be a guy that's going to go out there and be your number one, number one option anymore. I think he can absolutely be a red zone threat. But it's really going to be interesting to see what's his snap percentage. What's how, when do they have him? Is he a situational wide receiver now? Or are they going to have him out there on, you know, most plays? Or is he just going to be out there to run a route? Uh, Is he just going to be out there to run a route and on third down and try to get you a clutch catch to move the sticks? Or is he going to be an integral part of the offense? Rob Gronkowski, uh, man, (laughs) Rob Gronkowski, um, retiring. So now you've got one less, one less threat on offense. You still got Cameron Bray. You still got OJ Howard, depending on how you feel of his progression. 
Um, but Julio Jones, I would not be surprised to see a renaissance from Julio Jones. Right now, the Bucks are in a division where it's the Buccaneers and everybody else. The Saints are probably, in my opinion, the next, the second best team in the, in the division. But it, I don't think it's a close second. I don't think it's a close second. Um, you go, you go down the list. The Panthers, the Panthers don't even know who their quarterback's going to be, and the Falcons are in complete rebuild, like they're in their rebuild mode. So Julio might not even be needed to play a, a ton of snaps for the Buccaneers. They might just help. They might just give him rest every couple of games, or maybe let him rest the first few games, get into game shape if he's if he's not in what he feels is game shape and then get him ready for the playoffs because outside of the like in the division I don't think there's much of a competition the buccaneers and everybody else buccaneers are going to take the division they'll get in the playoffs that's when I really think Julio Jones is going to be that x factor or when he has the opportunity to be that x factor I was really interested and, and curious to see where he would kind of fall with the rest of the receiving core with the Buccaneers. So I went back and looked at some stats from 21 for the, just the Buccaneers roster. Chris Godwin led the team with 1100 yards and five touchdowns. Mike Evans also had over a thousand yards and 14 touchdowns. And then there was a huge drop off from returning players. Tyler Johnson had 360 yards. Uh, Cyril Grayson had 212 yards and then Brashad Perryman had 167. Julio Jones will probably slot himself into that number three spot for the Buccaneers. He might be the third or fourth option, depending on how Cameron Brait gels with, with Tom Brady, or if Rob Gronkowski decides, you know what? Hey, let me, um, let me come back again. If Rob Gronkowski does that, which I wouldn't entirely be surprised. Julio then probably drops down the clip again to like the fourth option. But I think he will have an impact, especially in the playoffs. He's a, he's much different. He's much different than Antonio Brown. And that's a, uh, that's the comment uh, from John here, Julio Jones. And, and it was slightly better than Antonio Brown should 545. I could see Julio get 800 yards. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, is it likely? I don't think so. Last year he had 400 yards. I could see him getting about five to, five to 700 yards. 600 probably is about the range that I'd be looking at. And he'll probably be a guy who gets you, I don't know, five touchdowns, six touchdowns. But in that offense, that makes you the third, at least third best option. He's It's going to open up more for him because you got Chris Godwin, because you have Mike Evans, because you have Cameron Brait. And if Rob Gronkowski comes back, you got another weapon there. So that's one thing that the Buccaneers have done really well is being able to get other guys like that to be able to produce where they need to. They don't need, they don't need Julio Jones to come back and be old Julio. They've already got Godwin and Evans. They don't need that. But they need a guy that can be a, a big veteran for that, not only for that team, that locker room, but especially a presence for the playoffs. And a hundred percent, Tom Brady is a way, way, way different upgrade than Tannehill uh, or Matt Ryan. That's a hundred percent accurate. 
So that's that's the questions that I kind of look at here. As I'm looking, I'm looking at that for for the rest of the for the rest of the the league here. Uh, for the Buccaneers, they're just going to reload and grab somebody else. And I think Julio can have that type of impact for the Buccaneers. But we're going to do a little quick break. We come back. We're going to talk a little bit about the rest of the AFC East um, and kind of how that'll shake out. We will be right back. Hall sports all plays. Hall sports all plays. Hall sports all plays. We're making a place. We're talking the game, get you to the days. We're hiding the court, they're dying in the lane. Variety topics, living the same. All presentation, sports information. In the airways, taking the nation. All sport, all plays, they're working your faces. Grace at the field, so type the laces. All sports, all plays. All right, seems like we have some tef- technical difficulties with one of the commercials. So, welcome back to the All Sports, All Plays official podcast here on Sunday night. I am your host, Craig. And let me know. Let me know in the comments below uh, where you're where you're tuning in from tonight. We got a few people watching in. I appreciate you um, joining the show tonight, and we'll talk some more. We'll talk a little bit more football in this next segment, and we're gonna have some fun. John says, "I see you, a Lions fan. How was my thoughts on the draft this year? Hutchinson was best pick. I, as a Lions fan, it's." It's a it's a it's a sigh of relief, really, being a Lions fan to know that this team from the top down, um, Sheila Sheila Hamp, um, who's part of the Ford family but doesn't have the Ford name, um, has basically given the keys to Brad Holmes to Dan Campbell, and Brad Holmes has made some phenomenal moves. Um, and as far as how the draft went, I am really, really excited to see Aiden Hutchinson. I'm of course, I'm also a Michigan fan. So I watched Aiden Hutchinson kind of grow up in Ann Arbor and seeing him to stay home and play in Detroit. Um, it's, 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 it's pretty cool to be able to see that, but I, a lot of the stuff I've been following a lot of the lions training camp, uh, and a lot of the writers and stuff that are, that are there. And to put it in perspective for what how how much of an impact Aiden Hutchinson's had in Detroit already Panay Sewell the previous top pick for the Lions last year was one of the top graded rookie tackles in the league Aiden Hutchinson was putting him in the spin cycle in training camp so i don't know how you want to look at that i look at that as that's a great offensive tackle of the future and our first round pick is doing that to Panay Sewell, it gets me excited. I mean, it gets it gives me hope as a Lions fan that we might actually um, be a team that can make the next step forward this coming year and be able to be able to come out from the NFL seller. Because obviously, anyone that knows anything about football, you've seen how bad the Lions have been over. God, since I've been alive, I've seen one playoff win in my entire life as a Detroit Lions fan. So the, the, the fact that they are making those moves and the sky's the limit right now for this team, uh, coming off the season, they did 
they're still probably only going to take a couple of steps forward. But you've got those types of guys. You got also uh, Jameson Williams. When he comes back from his injury, they're not going to rush that. Him, Amon Ross St. Brown, DJ Chark can be a um, he can be a red zone threat. TJ Hawkinson is in a contract year. You know how guys play in a contract year. TJ Hawkinson is going to try to play to be one of the top paid tight ends next year. So he's got to prove it on the field. When you get a collection of guys like that, you can even throw in Jared Goff too, because Jared Goff, I think, has one more year on his contract, and then he's a free agent after the following season. So the Lions have to figure out, is that a guy that they're going to move forward with? But all that mix it together, along with a guy like Dan Campbell, who these guys love playing for, which is a huge far cry from when Matt Patricia was the head coach. This team, I think the sky's the limit for that for that team. DeAndre Swift's another one. David Darkey, um, yeah, he's he's been he man, he's put on some muscle. He's a hundred percent put on some muscle to be able to to kind of avoid injury. So um, obviously, I I love it. I'm excited. I'm not getting my hopes up. I don't think we're a playoff team. I don't think we're a nine ten win team. I think the ceiling is nine wins. And push for a wild card, but I think the floor for this team can still probably be five or six wins, but I think they're actually going to, they had a lot of games that were very, very close last year. And I think they're trying to make that next step to be a team that can push forward and actually win those games. So, all right, moving on. I want to talk a little bit about the rest of the AC. So I kind of already talked about Tua. um, and you know what are the where are the dolphins going to go from here um basically the i think the big question mark that's going to be in this division outside of Miami with with Tua and is he really the guy that Miami is going to sell out on as their quarterback you got to look i think you got to kind of turn your eye a little bit and look at the New England Patriots too New England went 10 and 7 last year but they lost Josh McDaniels uh, became the head coach of the of the Vegas Raiders. Uh, they're moving forward without an offensive coordinator. I think Matt Patricia is the guy who's kind of like their de facto offensive coordinator, which is hilarious to me because of the fact that he was a defensive coordinator for Bill Belichick in his first stint, left to be the Lions head coach. That was a disaster, came back, and now he's the offensive coordinator, de facto offensive coordinator for the Patriots. Is Mac Jones going to take another step up? Um, you know, this team, this team last year, uh, their offense ranked, they were 15th in yards. Uh, they were 15th in touchdowns. They were kind of like a middle of the road uh, passing offense, but they were, they were relying on the run. They had the eighth best rushing offense uh, by yards. They, had, they were second in the league in touchdowns. Uh, but that defense is what they've been relying up upon. So if they can take that defense, they got rid of Chase Winovich. They brought in Jabril Peppers, uh, two Michigan guys there. They traded away Nikhil Harry, uh, who has not been panning out for them. Um, but you know, you you take all that take all that into consideration. I think they'll be another team. I think they'll be another team that will be kind of pushing, knocking on the door against the Buffalo Bills. If you're the Buffalo Bills, 
winning the winning division going 11 six last year that had to be a sigh of relief because you know at the end of the season it's a one game separation against the dreaded patriots and they finally were able to overcome that and win the division for the first time in lord knows how long but the question for the pay, uh, question for the bills now as john you got you got a great point he's already having fights this defensive line uh, take a te- take a step back. I would not entirely be surprised if that's the case, but they do have still a lot of weapons on that team. Um, Josh Allen uh, being talked about as one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, it really kind of depends on if I'm if I were to look at their schedule. I haven't done a full breakdown of everybody's schedule. It's something I would I'm gonna I want to love to do um, on a future episode leading up to. Leading up to the season, love to be able to break down and kind of go over, you know, team by team, what's, you know, what's that going to look like for everyone. But I think the Bills are, I don't think they're going to have a letdown year, but I think they're going to be in a dogfight for the division that they weren't expecting. The way the, the way AFC East always plays out, there's a lot of, I mean, it's going to be an interesting fight. And that's, uh, that's what I think is going to be. Um, that's what I think is going to make it the most. Is Josh Allen going to be able to take that next step? Are the pieces around him going to be able to um, continue to, you know, continue to grow and improve? That defense, defense has got to they got to stay steady. If that defense can't stay steady, um, and if the if Mac Jones takes a step forward, or hell, if Tua takes a step forward, and that offense starts producing. It'll be a really wild AFC East. <laughs> the Jets. Uh, the Jets at 4-13 and 13 last year. I love a lot of the narratives coming out of training camp. The narrative that Zach Wilson is going to be leaps and bounds better this year than he was last year. You can't really get much worse than last year you really can't so are the i i think the jets probably stay stay pat where they are um if they get if they get more wins they might get five or six if they sneak a couple um but i think it's going to be i think it's going to be a two to three team two to three team race in the afc but a lot of it depends on quarterback play which is the way the nfl is is geared now the way the NFL is geared now is it's a lot of it's a lot of it's on quarterback play. You can tool up on defense and you can scheme uh, like if you're if you're uh, Bill Belichick in New England, but when you got when you've got the type of uh, when you got the the lack of talent, I should say, you, your creativity can only recover or cover up so much. And I think that's what's going to be. That's what's going to be the key if you're looking at what the Patriots season is going to look like. So that'll be fun. I'm actually looking forward to um, to doing that later. Uh, Mac Jones, yeah, Mac. Like I was saying earlier, Mac Jones, um, he's he's definitely second year in that offense. He's been working. He's been working hard in the off season, having a full off season uh, to be able to learn more about the offense. I don't know how much of the offense last year was Josh McDaniels, how much of it was Bill Belichick. We're really going to see that now. 
this year we're really going to see what he's what he's made of. I want to answer uh, as we wrap up the segment here. I want to answer a couple questions in here. Uh, Double D Double D said Bengals going to be able to take the next next step and win the Super Bowl. Uh, last week we talked about the AFC North. Shane and I talked about the AFC North. I it's not a popular opinion, but I think the Bengals take a bit of a step back this year. I think they could still win the division, but I think they take a little bit of a step back. Um, and it's just it's that Super Bowl hangover. You get to the Super Bowl, you work so hard, you get there. We always see a Super Bowl hangover from um, from the losing team. And I think the Bengals, um, they have a much harder schedule this year than they did last year. Got to throw that out there. That's going to play a big role too. On paper, they have a much harder schedule than they did last year. So I don't know if they're going to take the next step and win the Super Bowl, but you got to be excited about that, about Joe Burrow being your quarterback, Jamar Chase being your, being your number one guy there. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to take the next step, but I think they kind of take a half a step back, but they could still compete for that division. That was a fun one to talk about last week. We've got that on our YouTube channel. If you want to check that out, uh, all, all sports, all plays network. Um, we talked about that last week. That was a lot of fun. Kenny Pickett be the, be the starter for the Steelers. I don't think he's going to be the starter right away. I don't think he's going to be the starter right away. Um, Mason Rudolph's a disaster as quarterback of that team. We all know that, uh, but he does know the offense and Mitch Trubisky had a little bit of a renaissance, like getting himself back together, uh, under the Buffalo bills. It's, I think he'll probably be the week one starter. If I'm being hundred percent honest with, with myself. Um, but Kenny Pickett is going to be hot on his heels. The way that offense the way that offense could potentially go next year, I would not be surprised if partway through the year, Kenny Pickett gets some starts. But I think the week one starter next week will probably be Mitchell Trubisky. All right, we're going to take, we're going to take our last break. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about a little bit of live golf and any other questions that y'all have in the comments. Um, we'll have, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun, but we're going to take our last break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the All Sports All Plays official podcast. I am your host, Craig. Uh, that last commercial had it did not have sound, uh, so that's gonna be, that's gonna be a fun thing to try to to try to fix for next week. But to round out the show, to round out the show, I want to talk a little bit of the golf. I know it, I don't know how many golf fans are out there. If you're a golf fan, I know John here says he loves live golf. Uh, let me know. Um, let me know what your thoughts are in the comments here. 
on live golf and and that's that's the big competition right now is they are slowly starting to get more guys from the pga to hop over to live golf and this last weekend uh the the annual rocket mortgage tournament was held in detroit and it was a very small crowd tradition compared to what they're used to seeing at the rocket mortgage classic that's because live golf had an event just outside of the New York city area at uh, Trump national. And there's a lot of conversation live golf is starting to get a lot more traction. Um, but being at Trump national, there was, there was uh there, there was some protests. Uh, they had, they had some, uh, they had the nine, they had the nine 11, um, group that was out there protesting uh the the former president as well as the the event itself if you're not familiar with the live golf uh organization they are a saudi based uh, or saudi backed uh golf uh golf in company and they've been throwing a ton a boatload of money at players to essentially play less they're playing less events than they would for the PGA. And this has been a conversation over the entire summer where guys that choose to guys that choose to go to live golf and, and not play for the PGA, the PGA turns right around and essentially puts them on a blacklist and says, you're not allowed to play in any more events. You're not allowed to be affiliated with PGA. Um, guys are getting removed from the Ryder Cup. Teams captains are being removed from the Ryder Cup. So uh, one of the big ones recently, uh, Henrik Stenson, who just won uh, in his Live Golf debut. That uh, he, he won. Uh, he won by three strokes. Not uh, yeah. Final round sixty nine. Uh, he won by two shots, eleven under over uh, Matthew Wolf and Dustin Johnson uh, at the Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster, uh, Bedminster in New Jersey. Here's a big here's a big question mark around what the PGA is going to do because um I I love these comments in here. Um this this question I'm not entirely sure um I'm not entirely sure if the uh, if the tickets are cheaper. I've heard it's a really different as- atmosphere. I heard it's a really di- different atmosphere. It's kind of like it's kind of more like a pro-am atmosphere than it is like a PGA type atmosphere. But um, the prize, the prize money is, is more. So Henrik Stenson won his first event and he got a $4 million prize pool, $4 million prize pool. Uh, and it was a team competition. Uh, the four aces GC won for the second consecutive event. Uh, you had Dustin Johnson, Taylor Gooch, Patrick Reed, and Pat Perez. They split $3 million. So you got to talk about $3 million prize pool split for team play and a $4 million prize pool, prize winning for Hendrick Stenson. And I, it's it's really intriguing to me. Yeah, Live Golf Stream is for free on YouTube if you can't get channels like PGA. Um, I I really like the direction that they're kind of taking this even though people are really throwing them shade just because of who's backing them. 
<laughs> Pat McAfee had a really interesting conversation on his on his show a long this is probably about a month ago, maybe two months ago. Everyone's given heat about how the Saudi the Saudis are backing the Live Golf uh, organization. And we talk about we're paying, I don't have an iPhone, but people are paying hundreds of dollars for an iPhone that's not made in this country. Your your shoes, your Bluetooth headphones, a lot of them are not made in this country. You know, a lot of that kind of stuff. I'm not getting into that conversation, but I do like the direction that Live is taking. They have a they have a really unique presentation. They're <laughs> Yeah, that's a hell of a point. You're paying $5 at the gas pump. Where do you think that comes from? Um, but what I really like is I, I've heard there's a lot of conversation, a lot of rumor about um, people joining up. Charles Barkley's being in, uh, being rumored to be joining the uh, the broadcast team or heading up the broadcast team, which is, I don't know how to say this, I don't know how to say this very professionally. It's hilarious that he, as a uh, golf aficionado, I'll say, uh, will be leading up the broadcast team for a, a golf league. Let that sink in for a moment. Let that sink in. What are my comments on Tiger Woods on the on the live golf tournament? Um. I understand where Tiger Woods is coming from because the PGA was the only game in town. Uh, comment <laughs> Double D, little Pat McAfee shout out. One in at uh, one at SummerSlam last night against Baron Corbin, or he's called Happy Corbin, or something now. Uh, I don't know, but I, I understand where Tiger Woods is coming from. The PGA used to be the only game in town, just like in the wrestling world, the WWE. Is the only game in town until AEW shows up. I think Live Golf has that type of potential to be that AEW to the PGA's WWE. But this is, uh, and I think this is a pretty, I think this is a pretty close comparison. Live Golf could be the next UFC, money wise. Because they are not holding themselves to the traditions and the in the structure that the PGA um, PGA does. Don't forget the PGA. You're talking about the Masters. The Masters didn't allow women in the club for a long time. A long time until recently, they finally allowed women in the club. Live Golf is. Live Golf is taking a, a little bit of a different direction. And not only are they going to get those guys, listen to some of these guys. Listen to some of these guys that have already joined Live Golf and have left PGA. You got Sergio Garcia. Dustin Johnson is one of the best golfers in the world. Bryson DeChambeau, who, has one of, who is probably the most powerful, who has one of the most powerful golf swings I've ever seen. Brooks Kepka, Graham Dowell, Phil Mickelson, of course, he's taken a little bit of heat lately. Kevin Na, Louis Oosthuizen, Ian Poulter, Patrick Reed. There's a few others. But the biggest one that recently just came out was Bubba Watson. 
There were a lot of rumors that Bubba Watson was going, was he going to join Live Golf? Was he not going to join Live Golf? Um, but he's he's deciding to join Live Golf. And he won't be joining until 2023 because um, he's still recovering from right knee surgery. But he's still one of the top 100 golfers of the world. And that's what Liv is kind of going for is right now they're going for kind of what the AEW is in wrestling is they are going to they're pulling trying to pull those big names in. They're trying to pull those big names in just to build credibility. Once you're in. Then they want you to see the product. They want you to see uh, they're, they're signing other guys that aren't the top 100 golfers in the world. But one of the biggest things and why I completely understand why golfers do it is the schedule. And that's what I want to that's what I point out here. John's got a great point. Think about it this way. If you got paid more money to play less, or if you got paid more money to work less, wouldn't you take it? I think a lot of people would, especially professional athletes. You want to look at, you want to look at the NBA, for example, guys used to be regular that guys would play 82 games every single year, year in and year out, logging thousands of minutes. Nowadays, you got load management. You got guys that might, they don't, they don't play back-to-backs anymore. You schedule back-to-backs, but guys don't play back-to-backs anymore. Not many. You got some guys like Kawhi Leonard, who doesn't really just play at all anymore. Uh, You just, you got those guys. So they're getting paid more and they're playing less. So they're getting paid more, getting playing less. It's very, it's very similar right now with, with this live golf phenomenon. And I think because of the Bubba Watson move, I don't think that's the, I don't think that's the pin that does that kind of does it in for live golf. But I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest names yet. Dustin Johnson was probably the biggest one being one of the top golfers in the world and jumping willingly, like quickly to, to live golf. Um, it's, it's going to be a while. It's going to be around for a while. David, you say hopefully be around for five to 10 years. I think longer than that, the way it just depends on how, how much money is backing this, this league, how much money is backing this league. Um, you're paying out a lot right now, but nowadays it's not about the attendance of the events themselves. It's about the TV contracts. It's about the, it's about those advertising dollars. It's that stuff. That's what's going to keep stuff moving. That's what keeps stuff moving now, especially, especially with live golf. I think that's, what's going to help keep them, uh, keep them afloat. But I, I, I do agree. John, you had a really good comment in here earlier about the, uh, the team aspect the team aspect point system. I want to bring this comment back up again. Those of you that didn't catch it earlier can see it again. Uh, it's yeah, it's not as much stress playing on playing every weekend and the team aspect point system. I love that. That's you gotta, 
you gotta you gotta find ways to make golf more interesting for the casual viewer. That's really what it's all about. PG, you know, you, you want to try to find ways to bring in those dollars so you can get more viewers from the casual viewers. And I think that's what Live Golf's trying to do. And then once that once they get a, a big TV deal, I would not be surprised if somebody like Amazon comes and swoops in and says, "Hey, Live Golf, we're we want you. We're gonna we're gonna throw the bag at you." Okay, deal. Let's do it. So I don't think Live Golf is going anywhere. Not at all. But with that said, uh, we're going to round out the show here. I really appreciate everybody dropping in tonight. Whether you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch, make sure to go. Make sure to go follow, uh, like, and subscribe to All Sports All Plays wherever you're watching or listening. Whether you're listening to this uh, uh, later on a podcast on Spotify. Also, so give you, you can see it all on the bottom of the screen. Go check out all the social media. We have a lot of great shows on this network. Uh, tomorrow morning, you got ASAP in the morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, afternoon Blitz is, I believe, 3 p.m. Um, but all at All Sports All Plays on Facebook. Twitter is at ASAP Network 1. And on YouTube, all ASAP Sports Network. Just get a search in that. Uh, give us a comment. Give us a like. Let us know. Um, looking forward. I'm going to be off for the next two weeks. Um, but we should have Shane uh, be here with you, uh, along with some special guests over the next two weeks. So thank you. Thank you so much. Last thing. Last thing here. Thank you, John. I appreciate your, I appreciate your interaction tonight. It just made this show so much more fun. Yeah, let's get uh, let's get the Daily Boys in here. John Daly, his son is now playing. Um, yeah, let's let's do one of those. <laughs> Sign me up for that. Um, I'm gonna go play some golf next weekend as well. Uh, I'll be I'll be on a lake in Michigan, um, soaking in the sun, hanging out with some dear friends and family. Uh, so it's gonna be a lot of fun. But I will be gone for the next two weeks. Shane uh, and company will have some special guests hanging out here on the official ASAP Network podcast for myself. Thank you so much for joining tonight, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Whole sports all plays. Whole sports all plays.